Alright guys, welcome to Shorter Interest Tulip, a podcast that is both non-reformed and non-reformed at the same time. My co-host this week is... Zach, same as last week. And same as last week, yeah. <laughs> that's weird. It's uh, a trend happening. I think, yeah, I'm your favorite host, JR, but of course Zach is your uh, 1C favorite host. Uh, I will never, he will never be as close as B. He won't, it won't be 1A and 1AA, it's always going to be... One and one C. I'm not even gonna. Um, I'm not even we, gonna try because that seems like a lot of work. You, you, you're way it, is, it is a lot of and, work, and you do a lot. So uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to compete. You know, I just. I'm happy with where I'm at. Yes. Um. So Zach, I I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um. Not not with the Psalms, just with the English language in general. Um. When people ask questions, uh, with the word word should in them. Um, because I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the word should not, should not is a lot different from the word should. Uh, not, not only in the fact that they're the direct opposites, but I think they mean different things. Does that make sense? Uh, sure. Give me an example. Uh, I'll give you an example. I see this question posed a lot, and I often, I try to point out to people that you're asking the wrong question, and people just ignore me because... You know, I'm nitpicky. So nitpicky, I could be a Calvinist. Um, If I said, should a Christian get a tattoo? Mm Mm-hmm. Right? If you... What's being said is, if you say no, you're saying no, a Christian should not get a tattoo. And that makes sense. If if you think that tattoos in themselves are sinful... You would say a Christian should not get a tattoo. Mm -hmm. But if you say yes to that, a Christian should get a tattoo, what you're saying is a Christian should get a tattoo. Not not that it's okay to get a tattoo or not that tattoos are, uh, you know, good things, but it is a requirement on Christians that they must get a tattoo. Do you see what I'm saying? I think you should get to the meat of this podcast. Okay, so what are we talking about tonight? Tonight we're going to be talking about Psalm one. And John Robert, what do you Psalm. what do you what do you think of the Psalms? Give me a little background. Give me a little idea. Um, you know, help help us get ready to read Psalm one. I I think um, we have a Corey and I, uh, everyone's third fourth favorite host. I have a podcast already called How to Read the Psalms. There's a there's a lot of information out there. That we that I've said before, and I, I've I've taught this to youth groups. I, I teach this if I ever teach a psalm to a Sunday school group or to mixed groups, whoever. I always say when we're reading the psalm, what we should not be trying to do is to find actual um, theological like definites in the psalm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I think the psalms speak to all of these theological definites. But I think that. Um, the Psalms, the question we should be asking is, how does this make us feel? Mm-hmm. Because the Psalms in themselves are songs. Uh, the Psalms in themselves are, um, are, are prayers and songs, and they're trying to communicate to us through poetry um, information about God. For example, and this is the example that I often give, um, if uh, the, the singer, uh, I think it's Bruno Mars, says that he'll literally catch a grenade... For his loved one, mm-hmm. right? I'll catch your grenade for you. I, 
I don't think that he is in a place where someone is lobbing grenades at him. Like I don't think I don't think that it will do the song any good if we sit down and say, how big's the grenade? What color is the grenade? Is the grenade thrown or has it always been there? Like, and look at all of these intricate details about the grenade. What we need to see is that. That's the definition. What we need to see. Yeah. Yeah. Is that he, he loves her so much that even the most painful thing he can imagine that he will do. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I'm right with you. But so when we're when we're reading Paul, I'm, I'm Paul and all the epistles. I, I'm completely fine in like digging down in in most instances and like digging into word for word. But if we do that with the Psalms, we lose the whole meaning and the whole beauty of the Psalms and what what's trying to be said. And, and I think that's going to come into play a lot with Psalm one uh, and some of the commentaries that we have discussed that we have seen about it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't want to uh, talk too much about uh, the the content yet before we before we read it. But um, I do think that uh, I think you're right on. I think that one of the things that we have to be careful of when reading the Psalms is not to take it literally, but to also realize that that uh, that this is supposed to elicit a an idea or a feeling about and I don't want to say feeling just in like oh this makes me happy this makes me sad there's a there's a there's an intent to the meaning that intent to the feeling that you're supposed to have does that make sense and so yes I I, I will say this I will say this along with that I think that I think that we have to be very very careful of um of understanding the context of of what's being said you know I, I think that a lot of times uh what's being written about in the Psalms are a lot of things that we're not familiar with. You know, if it's talking about, as we'll read, like things like chaff, like we don't, you know, we don't understand what that is in in today's world. So we do have to, we do still have to dig. And I think that just reading at surface level would also be an error. We have to dig into it to understand what, what feeling, what meaning is supposed to be elicited from that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'll agree with that. Like we have to be able to understand the text uh, that we're reading, but I, I think that we can lose the meaning by being too technical with the text. In this example, a good example throughout Psalms is this: right, um, was David born in inequity and sin, and like, or was he fearfully and wonderfully made? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a because right? he says both of them, yeah. and like. And and I, I know the pushback that I'll get. I'll, both like David was fearfully, wonderfully made, and he was created in sin and inequity. So the question is, like, did God create sin? Mm-hmm. That, that I think that's a question we have to ask. I, I, I expect some pushback, but um, I don't think that David, in either one of those instances, is actually talking about his childhood. But he's talking about talking about uh, a width and a depth of God's love or a width and a depth of the depravity that he was feeling to communicate with us of the totality of it. Not the not the actual totality of it, but the feeling of totality of it. Yeah. Um, on another note, before we begin reading the first psalm, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always wanted or always desired is to know what these songs sounded like. Obviously, they weren't written in English, 
So that'd be kind of tough. And also we don't know like the cadence or the, or, or what it's supposed to sound like, but, um, you know, maybe that could be a side project for Corey since he knows a lot of ancient languages that aren't used anymore. And because he also kind of sings, so we wouldn't be able to judge the quality of it, but we would also, you know, we would be able to appreciate a general idea of what it would sound like. Maybe. I don't know. I just think that's, that's, sure. a, that's that'd be fun. Yes, I'll agree with that. So we're doing Psalms 1 tonight, and Zach, you actually just got done preaching a sermon on Psalms 1 to a non-denominational church, okay. so uh, we don't really know where you stand, where you stand on that. Um, so why don't you dig us into the psalm, and let's see what we can make out of the psalm. All right, Psalm 1, here we go. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Okay, so so what are some just initial thoughts that would stick out to you as, uh, as a reader going through this the first time? Well, um, I think first of all, like something that always sticks out to me about the Psalms is like, especially when I'm just about to read it, is I always try to remind myself that this this was a song. This is something that was being sung to to God. You know, for, this is something that was being sung, um, you know, a, a, as a prayer, as something that was um, maybe to elicit feeling from, from the writer's own self. But I think, you know, I, I like to think of it in the sense of, like, if I was going to write a song to someone, right, what would I be doing? What would I be trying to do? I would be trying to communicate a message, communicate a feeling, communicate some sort of uh, uh, of something that's inside me. And so when I look at this, I see that that there is a message that is trying to be communicated. I see that there is a feeling that is trying to be communicated. Um, and I and I think that. That this one, and and correct me if you, if I'm wrong, but I think this one is more, maybe a song focused to himself, you know, maybe reminding himself of of what does a blessed man do? What does a wicked man do? What is something like reminding himself of what what the way of a blessed man looks like? And I think the first thing that we have to do is figure out what 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 is a blessed man. What is what is to be blessed? What does that mean? Yes, and what what does what does to be blessed mean, and and where does the blessing come from? Um, one of the, one of the things, and we'll talk about that. One of the things that sticks out to me is how this psalm continues on with this this thought throughout Scripture. We'll see it in Revelation. Mm-hmm. We see it in Revelation a lot. Other things is. It's talking about being steadfast in our beliefs and steadfast in the things that we do, mm-hmm. um, and and this psalm has an interesting has an interesting uh, 
analogy here. A tree is planted and it, and it is steadfast, and the chaff blows and it is moved by whatever. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think God God in a sense throughout all of the narrative of Scripture is calling us to be reliant upon Him and upon Him only to mm-hmm. be reliant. Um, and I think that is the steadfastness of the tree as compared to the the uh, the looseness of the chaff. Um, I think I think that you'll see you'll see that throughout Scripture, this idea um, pop up. Yeah, um, yeah. So getting into the text, um, going through verse one, right? Let's let's uh, start at the beginning, right? Um, it says, "Blessed is the man," and let's just stop and talk about blessedness for a moment. Why didn't he just say, "Happy is the man"? Well, um, I don't think. Go ahead. I don't think. I don't think the psalmist said "blessed" or "happy." Yeah, I think he was. <laughs> <laughs> he said. He said a word in Hebrew that I don't know. Yeah. Um, blessed, happy is the man. Uh, I, I, I would say it points to the same thing. Uh, you obviously, and I want to know this. I think it sounds like you have an idea of the difference between happy and blessed. Yeah. Why? What are you looking at? Yeah, uh, I think that I think that there's a there's a importance in in defining the what the blessedness means, and I think that in, in our world today we have this this idea of being blessed means that you know good things happen to me. Being blessed means that everything's going my way. Being blessed means that I got what I wanted. Um, if we really dig down into the meaning of it, to be blessed means to be fulfilled. It means to be satisfied. It means to be joyful. It means it, it's it's a it's a state of being. It's not something that happens to you per se, but it's a it's a it's a definition of who you are. Um, are you a, are you a satisfied, fulfilled individual? Right, and. Mm-hmm. Whether whether we make the mistake of seeking after superficial things, I think that we could even make an argument that even the people, or even the times that I do that, you know, even the times that, that I fall into that, I'm still seeking true blessedness. I'm still seeking, like, to be fulfilled. I'm still seeking, even though, you know, I, I think that maybe... Um, being a major league baseball player would be would be fulfilling to me, you know, or, or would make me happy. Like I, I am in my heart, I am I am seeking a true fulfillment, and I think that 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 shows a uh, need so, for something. Um, something I would like to say about blessed too is because uh, is that we have this uh, very black and white notion of w- what words mean. And uh, so we say, "Blessed is the man," or "Happy is the man," and, and we make this we make this overall assumption that that means look, if there's any case of him not being happy, if there's any case of him not being fulfilled, that means he was not fulfilled or he was not happy. So you can't say he wasn't blessed, you know. Right. And I often make the analogy that the life is like a baseball season. Like mm-hmm. in two thousand and one, two thousand and one, the Diamondbacks went ninety-one and seventy-one, and I would say that they had an amazing season, you know. And and 
we they had an amazing season. They only won twenty more games than they than they lost, but they had an amazing season. They went on to win the World Series. So um, when we say blessed is a man, I don't think that one thing we should be looking for is that being and we'll see this in the psalm is being fulfilled like actually having this fulfillment feeling all the time or being happy all the time but generally speaking generally speaking what's happening to you is fulfillment does that make sense yeah yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head uh, i really don't have anything to to add on to that it was uh as long, right as long as it makes sense, um, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. Man. Yeah, uh, uh, being being blessed doesn't mean going 162 and 0. You no, know, not, <laughs> it, it, it means... I, I think we what we do when we... We may not admit that that's what we're seeking, but, but our day-to-day lives show, I think, a lot of times that's what we're seeking. Anytime anything bad happens to us, it's like, oh, no, there goes everything. But I think that that um we need to realize that blessedness means being you know if we're using the baseball analogy to 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 be driven to move forward to be driven to go to continue on like to to be fulfilled and and to here's a here's a good example when you lose if if you are if you are focused on on blessedness or being fulfilled being completed being uh being given a purpose if you lose to someone who's not focused on true blessedness that would mean everything's lost right but to somebody Mm -hmm. who's focused on real true honest blessedness that would mean well maybe i lost but i can take something from this and learn I, i i can continue on I can I can keep moving, but anyway, I don't want to get too lost on that. Let's let's move through that first verse. Um, it says, "Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers." I think that we see a lot of action in, in this first verse. Uh, I think if we can imagine the man moving right from one place to another, I think that would give us a good kind of idea of what's happening here. What happens when you walk for a while? You end up standing somewhere what happens when you stand a while you end up sitting somewhere but what the psalmist was trying to get us to see is that there's kind of a progression that happens when you when you do these things or when you don't do these things right like um if you don't if you don't keep walking if you if you don't if you don't keep moving away from the wicked if you don't keep um moving past the sinners guess what happens you end up being at the table with the scoffers you end up being uh, uh sitting sitting with them identifying with them um i think something that's that stuck out to me in this when when reading it is that um we talk about the counsel of the wicked you know what what does that mean it means listening to people who are not you know taking advice from people who are not who are not seeking after the same thing that you are right I think that we could agree on that. Yes, um, we can. And, and and that's not to say that you can't take advice and 
other maybe small things in life, right? We can't look at everybody around us and go, oh, are you giving me advice on, like, directions? Are you a Christian? Like, do you, do you know the way to the Walmart? <laughs> like, are you a Christian first? That's not what it's saying. It's saying when it, when it comes down to meat of your life, when it comes down to big decisions of your life, big moments of your life, and not just the big ones, but, but meaningful moments, right? Don't listen to the counsel of the wicked. And it says don't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. And I think scoffers is kind of a weird word we, I guess we don't use much anymore. It means mockers, people who mock what you believe, right? And, and something that was that in studying this that really stuck out to me was that sitting, sitting at the table with someone meant that you you had a loyalty to them. It meant that you had an allegiance to them. If you were sitting at the table with slaves, guess where you were? You were a slave. If you were sitting at the seat with Romans, guess where you, who you were? You were a Roman. And there was something identifying about, about sitting there. And I think that this is kind of a warning to say, hey, be careful what you're doing. Be careful where you're walking. Be careful who you're who you're taking counsel from. Be careful who you're identifying with. Watch your behavior. Watch your allegiances. Watch your loyalty. Um, do you have anything? Here's my question. Here's my question. And uh, I think it will... And I think this will draw out the point I was trying to make in the opening, right? Mm-hmm. Do you... And, what, and the point I'm trying to make about blessed is the man. Like... About about speaking in large generalities, right? Mm-hmm. This psalm says, um, "Blessed is the man who uh, who uh, does not join a group of mockers." Or, or blessed is the man who doesn't. Why? What does your translation say? Say sit in the seat of scorn. What? Sit in the seat of what? Scoffers. Scoffers. Right. So my question is, like. When Jesus went to eat with Zacchaeus, like he was doing this, right? So, therefore, Jesus was being bad. It, it, am I missing something, or or what, what do what do we think? What do we think the idea that the psalmist is trying to communicate to us is? And I, I think you, I think you continue to reiterate it throughout this time. It's like it's not. This is not a status quo saying you cannot be around sinners. Right. This is a status quo saying do not let sinners dictate dictate your lives. And, and when I say we have to read the psalms in a way that makes us in a way that can. Um, emotionally communicate something to us if we just say Psalm 1 is telling us we cannot be around sinners we have misread Psalm 1 absolutely absolutely being we have to take it literally and not be too literal about it does that make sense (laughs) I know that might might be a little confusing to some but but we we have to we have to understand what it literally is trying to tell us right what is this what is this trying to say to us but we also have to we have to apply that you can't just just read it like you said and and say oh well this is the rule for my life i will never eat with sinners you know that's going to be that's going to be a rule before i pick up my fork from now on it's like i gotta find out what, where, where are you standing but that's that's not what's being said is communicating that message, and I and I think you're right on. Um, yeah. Let's dig into verse two a little bit, which I I think um, 
you know, I think I misread for a little bit when it says his, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. What, what kind of thought does that elicit from you? What does that make you think of when you think of delighting in the law of the Lord? Because to me, it sounded mm. kind of miserable the first time I read it. Yeah, like making sure you're you're sacrificing your goats on the right day, and yeah, um, yeah. So, so and yeah. like, like double checking your clothes to make sure they aren't mixed linen. Is this tattoo really for the dead? Should I get this tattoo? Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly what what I would think of like the first time that I read this I'm thinking delight in the law of the Lord man that doesn't sound fun that's talking about that part of the Bible that talks about uh, rules and you know like how could you take delight in that but really when you when you begin to read and, and, and understand what that what that the meaning is there it's not in in the laws per se but it's in it's, he's saying take delight in the message of the Bible as a rule for your life that's that's what's being written here you when you delight in in the law of the lord the message of the bible as a whole for your life this is the rule this is the authority this is what i'm loyal to um, then you will become blessed then then you will experience blessedness this is this is how this is how i would interpret how i do interpret it mm. right um, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I'm even okay with it being the laws, right? Yeah. Um, because, like I said two two weeks ago on this podcast, like I'm going to break things up into uh, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. This is it's, it's my it's my it's my presuppositions to interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we under we know if we go look at the Sermon on the Mount what the law of God is and and we know the outcome of that blessed is the man blessed is man born in spirit for he'll inherit the kingdom of heaven you know blessed is the the man who seeks justice for justice will be added to him so on and so forth right if, and, and we know the overall outcome of the story of the Bible like mm-hmm. at the end of the day man's kingdom is not established on earth for all of time God's kingdom is yeah I think so you're exactly I'm th- exactly right I think that so, true Christianity just to just to put it a little bit differently like when when you really begin to experience Christ in your life you can delight in the law of the Lord why mm-hmm. because Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his conquering of death completed the law for you and I he fulfilled it. Yes. And, and so you can take delight in that. But if you if you miss if you misread this initially and you just think like take delight in the in the law, guess what this is? This is oppressive to you. Like if you think of taking mm-hmm. delight in, in the, the Ten Commandments, guess what this is? This is not good for you. Because you don't measure up. Yeah. I don't measure mm-hmm. up. I don't I don't measure up. I, I try though, or yeah, I should try. Um, In this case, you would be everybody's I, I, second favorite host if we're. <laughs> yeah. So. So when we so it's just that thing over and over again. I delight in the law of the Lord because the law of the Lord is for the kingdom of God. Yes. And the kingdom of God is is literally the kingdom that we all want to be in because it is the kingdom that is established. And and will reign forever 
with our Creator. And the most beautiful thing about that is our Creator who loves us and cares for us above all else. So I will delight myself in in His law because His law is going to reign in my life. And that's amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about the metaphor for a moment. It says He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its... Or if I was Corey Barnes, I'd say water. 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 Yeah. Uh, that, Jesus yeah, he'll, is. <laughs> that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers right I think that when we look at this we go oh well that's wonderful that's that sounds really nice that's a that's a nice neat little picture but I, but there's really a great purpose to this and and the parallel between between the tree and 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 the righteous or the blessed man, right? The blessed man is is like a tree planted by streams of water. Um, some people might stop there and just elicit that it was planted, but we're gonna keep moving and and see that it, there's other things that that it does and that happens to it. Um, it says that it yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Um, I think that the the interesting thing about this is that the blessed man, the tree, goes through seasons. And I, th- I th- at least to me, when I read this, and I understood that like the comfort that that God communicates to His people through this message is that I understand that you go through tough times. I understand that you go through really, really hot seasons and dry seasons and uh, understand that you go through periods of productivity and you're going to be really fruitful. I understand like knowing that God understands where I'm at is a beautiful comfort to me. And I I just, that, that just enriches my relationship with him. And I also like that it says it's leaf does not wither. Well, does that mean that it doesn't drop its leaves in, in, in the winter, you know, like, it, it still drops its leaves, but but guess what? It's never weak. What happens when a leaf is withering? It's, it's that it's weak. But guess what? This tree is planted by the stream, so it's always going to be strong. And to take this a little bit further, and, and I didn't really talk about this when I was preaching, but I, I, I wished I could have gotten more into it, is that even really, really bad things can happen to the tree. Not just seasons of like high and low, just kind of like a, roller coaster because we can look at a roller coaster and go oh even the highs and lows are all of that's kind of nice but guess what really really bad things could happen to the tree too what would what you know just to take this metaphor a little bit further like what would happen if like it got you know a limb chopped off of it is it the end of the world you know like what happens uh to the tree that's that's connected to the stream it's going to continue to live and and so like yeah i think that's a that's so hopeful. I love that. It's nice. I I think that is overall the the message of David or the psalmist in this situation. It's like like even look at it, it goes in its season the tree will produce fruit. Mm-hmm. Not not that the tree is always producing fruit. And, and when we talk about when we see tree leaves fall off of a tree, um, we don't say oh that tree's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's season. Um, like when we see the withered, when we say withered leaves, like we're saying, oh, that's a dead sick tree. Mm-hmm. Like, so I understand what you're saying. It's like the psalmist is saying, no matter what happens, 
this tree won't be moved. Like it's there, it's beside its stream, it's it's beside its supply. Like no, it won't be moved. It won't be dead. Yeah. And and I think that if we just make a big deal about the tree, it doesn't make as much sense unless we make a big deal about the tree and the very next thing that he says. Like compare the tree to the chaff. Like understand mm-hmm. the tree, but we have to understand the tree in light of the chaff. Yeah. And what's the chaff? Yeah, I th- I think you're right there. Before we go further though, I do want to tack on one thing. We have to to be able to elicit understanding of this. We do have to understand what the stream is as well, right? Because a stream could mean mm-hmm. a bunch of different things if we, if we were just to move forward. But if we look back at verse two, what what does the blessed man take delight in? The law of the Lord. So, the tree the the tree is the blessed man, right? We understand that the stream is the law of the Lord. It's the instruction of the Lord over your life. That's what that's what your roots as the tree grow into, the law of the Lord. It will sustain you if you grow into it. Um, but you know, some people might see that it was planted there, and that you know it didn't have any choice but to just grow into it. Uh, but the wicked are not so. Let's move on to the. Chapter. I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm pretty sure that you're you're referencing a John Piper sermon. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that. Um, you wouldn't do that. Now. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Uh, verse 4 says the wicked are not so. Don't get me wrong. People listening, I, I enjoy listening to John Piper sermons. Uh, I, I enjoy his preaching. Verse four. Let's be honest. You turned me on to Tim Keller. Let, let everyone know Let everyone know that you don't hate Calvinists. You I listen don't. to Tim Keller all the time. Like, I, I, I get Kellerized as much as I can. Like I love Keller. Um <laughs> Verse 4, let's keep moving though. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Uh, explain chaff a little bit, uh, or, or your understanding of it. Well, I don't I don't want to steal your thunder, because the, the description I'm going to give is the description that you gave. <laughs> um, I will say this. I will say this, so, so you, can, you can use your amazing uh, explanation. I, I would just say, it's a dead part on wheat. Like that's what it is. That's, like it's a dead part on wheat. Did you prepare a sermon on this? Because that was that was like that was more than I understood about chaff going into this. <laughs> I really had well, no idea. I had to do a lot of looking into it, but um, and it still. Didn't... But how would how would you explain chaff to me? Say I was at a baseball game. Here we go. Yeah, that was perfect. Actually, thanks for setting me up. You put the ball on the tee for me. Actually, uh, yeah, I did. Um, uh, chaff... uh, uh, you're Marcus Thames. You're... <laughs> Please no. I don't want to do that. Don't don't send me to Korea. Um, nobody <laughs> listening will understand that. But go look up Mark or what is his name? Eric Thames. There we go. Um, yeah. It says they're um, like chaff. All right, chaff. Have you ever broken up a peanut before, and then all that little thin stuff falls out? Letters that's around the peanut. It's, uh, the skin. I think that's what it's called. Right. Um, it just like breaks apart and it crumbles and it's gone. Like you know, you could, you can never catch it almost. You know, that's kind of like what chaff is. And I think that the, the important part to see about this is that it's carried away by the wind. The wind drives it away. Any little thing carries it away. To use this, to use this idea, like you're moved, 
you're moved by anything that happens to you. Even like if you put imagine putting that little peanut skin in your hand and just trying to breathe with your mouth close to it, guess what would happen? That thing would be gone and it'd break up into little pieces. So on one hand we have a tree that's rooted in the stream, that's always getting sustenance, that's always being fulfilled, enriched, even in seasons that are that are not good, even in seasons that are painful. On the other hand, we have the dead part of a of a peanut that just or, or of wheat that just gets blown away when any little thing happens to it. Yeah, and I think too, like through reading the psalm, what we'll see, uh, what we'll see here is that throughout the Bible we see people chasing after the next thing. Throughout life, we see people chasing after the next thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm no longer fulfilled by baseball. Right. I'm gonna move on. I'm, I'm gonna move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm no, I, or, or we see it in marriages all the time. I'm no longer fulfilled by my wife. I'm gonna move on, mm-hmm. like, to, to the next thing. Um, and so, if we find ourselves delighting in the in the law of the Lord. We will be a tree, and we'll, we will be gaining sustenance, and, and we'll be and we'll be alive, and we'll be prosperous in season and out of season, and uh, and the influence is God, and it is steady and it's consistent. But if we're a chaff, any like you said, anything will move us, anything will cause us to be wherever we want, wherever we want to be, and whatever we want to be. So. In light, and what the Bible constantly tells us is to be steadfast in God. Mm-hmm. And here's the benefits of being steadfast in God. Here are not the benefits. Uh, here are the not benefits of being a chaff that's moved by anything but God. Yeah, I, I like the last part here to, in closing. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There, um, if we read that that fifth verse, it it, it says that the, the wicked will not stand, and I think that kind of ties back into verse one, talking about hey, you, you <laughs> have to you have to make choices to to stay away from this. You have to make choices to to not do these things, to not participate in these things, um, and like you said, not just saying that you can't associate with the sinner you can't um you know have have a relationship with that person but but don't let the, their their influence don't let them influence your life is what it's saying and it says they won't stand they won't have the option to do what they want to do anymore when judgment comes there's kind of a warning here that that i think that if you're not a christian it's kind of scary but if you are a christian and you read further it's kind of it's kind of hopeful because you look at the end of it and you go, the way of the wicked will perish. The the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way, not just the wickedness, not just the wickedness, but the, everything about them, not not just the not just the things that are that are tearing you down, but their very ways will be gone. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, that just really just gives me a hope and, and a peace about my future. Yes, I'm. I'm reading right here. It says, "But the ways of the the wicked lead to ruin." Yeah. And 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 when at the end of the at the end of this age, when uh, when we're with God for eternity, 
any kingdom we see established besides God is it, God's is going to be away. Yeah, it's going to be done with. And I, and that's and and it's so it's so beautiful for us, like as a tree. Mm. Especially, it's beautiful for us as a tree when we don't have fruit. It's beautiful for us as a tree when we look naked and bare, mm. or when um, you know, or when these bad seasons are hitting. Now, guess what? End of the day. End of the day, we're still going to be here. We're still going to be a move. We're still going to be God's law is still going to be fulf- uh, fulfilling us and pumping into us and giving us life. Yeah, and you know Jesus fulfilled the law, so Jesus is going to be pumping into us and giving us life. Yeah, the, the very last thing that I think was um, really impactful to me, and and I'll I'll close on this was that when judgment comes, when this is done, you won't be in the battle anymore. You won't be, you won't be having to make sure you're turning from one way or another. To another like the hope of God isn't just that like you'll you'll have to you'll have to struggle against your sin for the rest of your life it's that it's not gonna be there you're not gonna have to worry about it no we gone yeah. I, I love it yeah I, I I'd, I'd love to hear your sermon on this <laughs> at some point um psalm psalm one psalm one is amazing and it just sets the pace for the rest of the psalms like how much David is in need of God and how much God provides. Yeah. Um, you'll, we'll see it over and over again. And we've been doing Psalms in our Sunday school class since I've been there. Well, only on Psalm 23. So. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, we'll have to, at some point, we'll have to do some more Psalms. Maybe 119. Yeah. What about 117? We can cover that one pretty quick. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Whatever. <laughs> I like them all. Yeah. I like them all. So, um, just so everyone knows, if you want to get in contact with us and you want to be like, both of y'all are flaming liberal heretics and y'all need to come to the the McCarthyan way of believing or the Sprolian way of believing, let us know in the comments. Um, Also, if you completely disagree with us, um, you can share us with a friend and say, please don't be like these people. Um, if you do agree with us, though, share us with a friend and also subscribe to us on iTunes at Schrodinger's Tulip. Give us a five-star rating so when someone looks for a Christian uh, a Christian uh, podcast to listen to, we'll be, one of, we'll be closer to the ones popping up. Um, we do this. We do this because we love the church. We do this because we love the Christian community. And we just want to open a, and foster a conversation about God's Word because... Um, you know, Reformation matters. Sola Scriptura, like God's word alone. And we, if we don't understand God's law, we can't delight in it. So, um, anything you want to add to that, Zach? See y'all next week. See y'all next week. <laughs>